At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We stay the course. We are dead. We are all dead. We're supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of zombie land. This whole thing is insane! Man is even capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? It's such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it just is. It just is. Especially when you get the audio version of Aeon Byte Live, episode 42. Raw, uncensored, and unfiltered. Just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. On this sacrilege, we dealt with Fomienka and the new chronology. Could history be a lie written by the victors? Well, that's a reality, and that's always been an Aeon Byte theme. But how much of a lie it is has also been the question. We look at a theory that posts that events of antiquity generally attributed to the civilizations of the Roman Empire, ancient Greece, and ancient Egypt actually occurred during the Middle Ages more than a thousand years later. Steven Sorensen, owner of the Sea Truth website, joined us. Sophia blessings for those of you who continually support. I can't do it without you. Please continue to help me grow this red pill cafeteria. We need Gnosis more than ever, needless to say. And we've only just begun reaching those who need to wake up or simply cope in these Gnostic times. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom, or guests and their unique insights, anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. December will be mind-expanding, reality-disbanding. 
Our topics will include Philip K. Dick, occult and deep state Hollywood, the nature of evil, and Gnostic movies, and much more, including a new Finding Hermes. So don't go anywhere because we've only just begun thriving in this age of Hermes and his alchemical madness. But enough of my short drivel. Led us to our latest AB Live. The Empire Never Ended. We are live to the whole world. Welcome, everybody, to AB Live. I hope you've enjoyed the video. Uh, tonight's uh, always a special night, always great guests, but uh, we have a new streaming service that I'm trying. So this is being broadcast through YouTube, through our Facebook page, and our Inner Sanctum of Gnosis private page. And uh, in different background, new features. Uh, you just heard one of them, which was uh, playing a video because before... We would start AB Live, but it always takes a good five to ten minutes before people join the chat and start having fun. So welcome, everybody. Welcome to the desert of the real, Birdie Num Num. And yes, men still have nipples in this universe, but uh, at least we can show them in public. Women can't show them in public, which just goes right back to the absurdity of this universe. But here we are once again... Uh, at AB Live episode 42. And tonight we are very excited to have Stephen Sorensen joining us. Stephen, thank you very much for coming to the virtual Alexandria. You're welcome, Miguel. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Pleasure I couldn't have, couldn't have picked a better number for the episode 42. <laughs> yes, but what's the question, Stephen? <laughs> That is the question. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is the question. Huh? And with us, too, always glad to be joined by the Moondog Vance. How are you doing tonight, Vance? Oh, pretty good, but I just got a shock. There's some bugs in the system, and it was on your microphone. Oh, Let it take is? Take a look down there. Yeah. Down, All right. Take a look. I mean, literally, there was a bug. Oh, I thought you meant like, uh, no. oh, my God, there's <laughs> a bug. Oh, my God, let me check the wires. Is the volume on? Uh, <laughs> little shit no we're good we're good on youtube we're good on facebook so everything's go awesome Man. awesome yeah and you can see I'll the people are starting here. awesome was as always audience if you have <laughs> oh my god i can't kill it it's one of those stink bugs in the midwest uh, oh oh watch out it, oh. they'll, they'll make a big mushroomy the whole, yes the yes i know i know we have it's been a problem in these areas so you can't kill it you've got to Getting get it Eon in a bug. paper towel. Eon bug. Get up. <laughs> oh, my God. Careful. It's, you're going to make him mad. You know, I know. I know. Okay, he's gone. Go All away. Right. Go reproduce and populate the earth or whatever you do. All right. But, yes, as always, uh, if you have questions, please write them down in... Uh, Write them down in uh, the chat. Uh, write them caps. Lots of questions. Uh, I mean, a lot of, lot of questions. That bug really got me out of my system. Um, out of my rhythm, if you would. Sorry uh, about that. Uh, I was afraid of that. 
Yeah, yeah, a lot of que- right, a lot of question marks, and uh, we will get to it. Other than that, I'll have some house cleaning as we go. First, I'd like to say thank you for your support. Uh, it's been um, despite the insanity of this year. It's been a great year for AM Byte. You really support it. The audience has really grown. And if you could please keep supporting, as I like to tell people, the apocalypse is not interested in a uh, Gregorian calendar or a Julian calendar. It doesn't mean in 2020 we're all going to have our spirits back and our moods leveled. Uh, this is really uh, the end of the world or the end of a world. And as I was saying, uh, these are Gnostic times. This is the age of Hermes, and we need that old-time Gnosis more than ever. We need as much alternative media, information, choices, and everything else so we can all find our way out of this darkness of mere being that has fallen upon the earth. So thank you very much. And um, as always, uh, this show will be put in in a couple of days. I will have it on (coughs) our audio channels, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So you will be able to listen to it if you prefer audio as always. Um, Other than that, uh, why don't we get started with you, Stephen? How did you become interested in history and what led you down to the path of uh, alternative history? As we like to say here, or the saying goes... um, the the victors write history, or as Vance says, uh, the vicars write the religious texts. Uh, but uh, and we all know that the official narrative is never the right one. So in the Gnostic spirit, we want to promote as many alternative views as possible because uh, that's the only way we can find answers and grow together instead of this sort of censorship cloud that has fallen upon at least well the western culture but tell us about yourself all right um yeah my interest in history started uh maybe in my teen years i remember not caring for it too much when i was a kid but then you know i hit like 11 or 12 i started reading a lot more exploring more uh ideas that were kind of out there but like it's interesting. I was thinking about this alternative term to refer to stuff as if like it, I guess it is an alternative to something else, but in a way it's all alternative compared to whatever you're focused on. So when I come in, I talk to people about what I'm going to be talking about tonight. A few of them recently have said, you know, this came way out of left field for me. And I was thinking about that, you know, cause it's like, way out of left field for some people, but it's home base for me because this is what I do basically every single day. I'm looking into this type of stuff. Um, and hopefully my website reflects that. Well, not just my website, but everything that I'm producing. Um, I have, a, I'm all over the internet. So, um, yeah, I, maybe in my teen years is kind of when I started caring more about history. Uh, when I was 18, I'm 25 now. So about seven years ago, I started looking more deeply into the American education system. And I wanted to understand how uh, our system got to the way it is. Why do we have such short classes with so much shuffling between the rooms and, you know, whatever anyone's experience is. I wanted to know why it got to that. And when did we start shuffling people into boxes to listen to lectures for eight hours a day from the (laughs) age of four until indefinitely for some people. Um, 
so yeah, I was looking into that and I was thinking about writing a book on it. Um, I had discovered quite a bit. I had been pulling together information and looking back on it, it was a lot more haphazard than um, I had realized. I've become a lot more methodical and uh, precise with my research now uh, for people to be able to check it out and verify what I'm saying is true. Uh, so but yeah, back then I was looking into writing a book on that. I thought maybe I'll do like a preface or an introduction talking about the origins of schooling from like the earliest times until America became a thing in the 18th century and then really expand upon American education. But then as I was looking into this, uh, it was around the same time that I had heard about Fomienka's new chronology, which is what I'll be talking about more in depth tonight. And I was looking into the early educations and it's, there are some works on it. Maybe I'd be able to find more now, but back then I wasn't finding like substantial tomes of writing about the history of education. Um, but I could probably find better stuff today. I feel like I'm a bit more resourceful. I can navigate the internet better. Um, cause that was like really right when I was first starting out, I didn't have a guide. I was 17, 18, um, kind of trying to figure it out on my own. I wasn't actually, I wasn't going to school. I was just working. And um, yeah, so then I came across Fominka's new chronology, which is this idea. This is the way out of left field thing for most people is that human civilization dawned around 1200 years ago. And I think popularly, like what people would consider the mainstream narrative is that human civilization dawned maybe six to 10,000 years ago. Um, it's kind of foggy, but typically I think traditionally it's been dated to around 6,000 years ago is when we started writing and um, existing in larger societies, uh, interwoven cities, um, creating tools and languages and arts and um, all the, the trademarks of civilization. And so when I heard that Fomienka had and his team of uh, researchers had come up with this theory that human civilization is only about 1200 years old, um, that, that was weird. Uh, I, I, I was already familiar kind of with um, Illig, I think his name is, his phantom time hypothesis that 300 years had been added to the dark ages at some point. Uh, so we're like 300 years artificially extended. But Fomienka's new chronology is saying that basically anything that is pre-civilization, um, which I think is called prehistory, it's kind of an oxymoron. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like history before history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting to look into the etymology of that to see what, when exactly. I, th I think I did once, but it's a recent term um, because people believed for the longest time, at least in the Western world, that God had created the world and mm -hmm. that it was that it was possible to calculate how much time had passed between when God created it and when they were today. And that really got overturned in the late 19th century with geology. They took over and proved that God couldn't have created it 6,000 years ago. So there's still creationists out there now that 
work in the science to say it, but um, I don't really have a horse in that race at all. I'm more focused on human civilization and where did that actually come from? So yeah, I'm looking into human education. Um, when did we start schooling people? What's the deal with that? And then I come across this theory that human civilization is 1200 years old. At first, I, I had some friends that were kind of looking into it more seriously. They were taking it more seriously. And so I... And then I read through the fundamental works that were uh, involved with the new chronology. And I thought like, wow, this is actually really interesting. Like, could this actually be true? Um, and so for two years or so from like, uh, I was probably like 20 at this point when I had come across that. And then around 22 ish, is when I'm trying to piece this together. I gotta, I really gotta write this all down and make a nice timeline of it. I have a timeline for the sea truth stuff that I'll talk about in a second, but yeah, it was like my early twenties is when I started reading all the books, um, getting familiar with it. And I kind of went out to provoke professionals to try and respond to it because the Wikipedia page said that it had been refuted by professionals across the board. And, um, I sent, I ended up sending out 500 emails to, uh, professors in ancient and medieval history departments across the world. And I started with like the most reputable colleges and worked my way down from there. And I got, I think four or five responses. So like one out of five, one out of a hundred of them responded. And I think it was three of them said they'd never heard of it one of them said that he had heard of it. He had never looked into it. And then another one said that it's patently absurd. Um, and that she expressed this confusion as to why I would be asking her the professor of ancient history at the college. Um, which is, it's just interesting. So, uh, but I doubt she had ever really provided any substantial reason. She could have said anything in the email. It's patently absurd because, but just leaves it period. Um, so I'm left to wonder why she thinks that, uh, I don't really care too much to try and figure that out for her. But, uh, basically out of the five that did respond, four of them had never looked into it. So I'm wondering where is this statistic coming from that, it's universally rejected by historians. They've never even reviewed it. And how could they reject it except for out of ignorance? And um, so yeah, I... Wikipedia is an embarrassment sometimes. The the guys watching the um, Wikipedia page for Fomenka's new chronology, they hate it. The new chronology. I've tried to edit it so many times and it's always reversed within 24 hours, regardless of how factually accurate my edit is. Uh, it doesn't matter. And it's not yeah. even like I'm not even like I'm trying to edit it to say anything crazy, just like clearing up misconceptions and providing more information. It's a no go. can't do that. Me on the page of the Wikipedia for Gnosticism, even if I put like the perfect thing, they, they'll, they have their own little gangs and clicks in this Wikipedia. So, but, but Stephen, uh, before we get started and go down the road of your argument, uh, who exactly, for those who might know, is uh, Fomienka? So Fomienka is a... 
flamenco. For some reason, I have the urge to say flamenco, but the guitar, yeah, um, yeah. music style. But no, Flamenco is a mathematician in Russia. I think he's based out of Moscow, possibly Yaroslav. I think is what it's called. But um, he's Russian. He's he's a renowned mathematician. He's like famous for his mathematical works. I think he's he solved Plateau's problem, which is a I think topographical issue. I'm not a mathematician, so I, I can't speak too much on his mathematical achievements. But in 1972, 1973, Fomienka got interested in historical studies um, because he had been introduced to this guy's work, Nikolai Morozov. And Morozov was a like even more renowned uh, Russian scientist from the early 1900s. Uh, He's he got a few awards from the Soviet government, and um, he basically spent most of his life working on scientific uh, studies and improving that. And so, what Morozov did was uh, call for a revision of the dates uh, commonly attributed to famous events from ancient history, and I think crushed everything up. Basically, questioned history prior to like the seventh century, and. Fomienko found it interesting and supposedly it's it's interesting going and talking about it because I'm still open to the idea that it could be a big hoax and that this could be a um, government project or even a personal project, uh, something that he's doing for fun. Um, but from what I can tell, it looks legit. Like I'm more inclined to believe that this is honest research, that this guy is taking his time to do um, instead of it being some sinister plot. But I'm open to any evidence. So if you guys have evidence, if you're familiar with this, throw it my way. I'm super easy to contact. Uh, just keep watching. I'll drop some information later. But yeah, so 70s, Fomienka starts getting into this. He's conducting historical research for that entire decade. In the 80s, he's starting to present this research to, he's being printed in scientific journals. And then in the 90s, he basically, there were like two main um, conferences that took place that allegedly refuted it indefinitely, his new chronology and the methods. But the records from one of those conferences were destroyed or never taken. It wasn't recorded. So we can't actually look back to see what they talked about during it. And the first conference, it looks like Fomienka's provided rebuttals to most of the arguments that they made in it. And they haven't responded back to him because it's a closed case. Um, can't respond back to a closed case. So... He's continued on uh, through the 90s, started publishing books, and in the 2000s is when he really took off publishing his books. So that's kind of the background for who this guy is. He's still a mathematics professor. He's the head of the mathematics department, I think, at Moscow State or Moscow University. Um, and still, it's not just him creating this, it's him. There's four main authors for the new chronology books, and then there's also a slew of like a hundred or so uh, co-authors that help out here and there with information. So it's, it's good to keep that in mind because it's not like this one dude is 
um, like a renaissance man on steroids because I'll, I'll show you guys some information on how large in scale this is this isn't just like the guy published one book and argues that it's 1200 years of civilization this is this is thousands and thousands of pages it's like well maybe i haven't counted but it's well over 10,000 pages for like the basic stuff um the main series has seven large tomes that are the basis for where his study was that were published in 2001. And then since then, I think there's 90 plus unique titles for all the different books. So it, it's a huge investment on uh, the people who put this together. Yeah. I mean, because obviously if you're going to, that kind of case, you need to come at it from all sides, uh, not just records, archaeology, uh, as you have said before, you said in your site, as astronomy. I mean, there's a million ways to slice it or a million ways that uh, has to be dealt with. So so basically, uh, Fomienko said uh, civilization started perhaps around 1,200 years ago. Uh what was the first civilization then? Well, are we talking Egypt, Samaria, yep. Rome? I mean, who is the who's the, the first? Nile Valley is Nile where Valley. the first civilization developed. That's where they first started creating new technologies and languages, and um, their first massive, large-scale city uh, turned up there, and then basically has spread out from there. Is so root of civilizations in Egypt. I have a map even that I can show you the development of it. Um, I'll screen share here in a little bit, but I'll get it pulled up now. All right. Yeah, let me know. So, yeah, Egypt is the answer to that one. And I think uh, as I've looked at your site and uh, watched your YouTube channel, which I suggest for the audience to check it out because he's got lots of videos. Again, this is a – you could probably spend years, trying, you know, presenting all this information, but uh, – Tell us how the the zodiac and the stars really, uh, I think, is a very one of the stronger cases. Yeah, um, uh, tombs and the fair and all that. The the zodiac. So yeah, the I'll just quick cover the fundamentals of Fomenko's new chronology. Yeah. There's like two legs that it stands on. One is the textual analysis, which is this massive um, statistical analysis of narrative materials to try and identify dependent and independent texts. But then the other leg that it stands on is the astronomical work, which is what you just brought up. It's basically the eclipse record that we have um, famous eclipses from the past. This is this my my website's called Sea Truth. It's short for Chronology Truth because that's what I study is chronology, and I want to present information that is true and also provide that information for other people to be able to evaluate and then work with as well um, pertaining to chronology. And chronology is really fundamentally based on astronomy, at least for historical things. Um, if you don't want to include time in the timeline, then you can still have chronology without the element of time. But our time, our sense of time is uh, almost, for the most part, it's fundamentally governed by astronomy, the movement of the planets or um, whatever you identify those things as. From Earth, it's light out and then it's dark out and that repeats over and over again. And the the stars, they start out in one place in the sky and then after um, 
365 and a quarter day, they're back in that same spot again. Um, these are ways that we keep time. And so there's eclipses that happen. Every, I'm pretty sure everyone knows what the eclipse is, is um, the sun goes dark or the moon uh, is lunar and solar. These are famous in history. So getting beyond just basic astronomy stuff, the historical record has a bunch of these. And for a long time, uh, astronomers noticed that the further back you go, the further off these eclipses are. Um, because the idea was that the motion of the planets was constant. And so when the eclipse record was off, they determined that potentially it's not constant and that there's more going on here. There's more variables that we need to consider. And so with the eclipses, they nowadays, if you I have two different um, star mapping apps that will allow me to view the sky at any given date and time. So I can go back to 200 BC and try and see if the eclipse actually happened. And it will because they base it off of the historical records. Um, the popular star viewing apps, if you go and try to see just how far off the eclipse is, it won't be off at all because they have coded it to match the historical record and the dates traditionally attributed to those eclipses. And they've created a system around that. But Fomienko comes into this with, I <clears throat> basically there was a large shift in the speed of the eclipses uh, around, I think five to a thousand CE. And the basically like they're more or less consistent prior to that point and then more or less consistent after that point. And so Fomienko went to redate these eclipses and found supposedly I'm not an astronomer. So I've been trying to get astronomers to look at this. Basically every astronomy forum I've ever been to has said, we don't want to touch this because it's pseudoscience. How do they know it's pseudoscience if they've never touched it? It's baffles me, but if you're an astronomer, check it out. It's really interesting stuff. I have been brushing up on my astronomy skills over the last few years. So I comprehend this a lot more than I did when I first started. Um, but yeah, basically these eclipses, they can all fit within the last thousand years or so. And also will keep the, it will keep a steady motion of the planets. There won't be any large spikes or drops in the, the motion of the frequency of eclipses. And so this was this is one of the arguments for the new chronology is that all of our historical eclipses do fit into this last 1200 year period and we can um, restructure the events around that by knowing that whatever this document's talking about could have happened at this time um, looking back throughout history. And I do think that there are some limits to how Fomienko went about this. And I would be interested in either learning it myself or working with an astronomer who can help me create a program that will allow you to input different variables to see what different types of things tweak this um, historical model uh, if we were to uh, tweak something here or there. But then I also want to do that for, to continue with the astronomical stuff, there's the horoscopes, uh, which are zodiacal formations. They are um, 
So aside from the sun and the moon doing their eclipse stuff, we've got all the planets that we can see uh, easier now through telescopes. And those planets will only ever be in the same spots in the sky every so often. And so if you've got basically like if you had a line straight up on going across the sky, like with a laser or something, and every single planet aligned on that line, that's only going to happen every so often. Um, it's not going to be an every night type of thing. So through these repetitious cycles, we can see when different zodiac or when different horoscopes could have taken place. And in the historical record, there do appear to be quite a number of horoscopes that have been recorded. And so through figuring out when the planetary positions could have been exactly where they are, we can figure out when these people were trying, when they were writing this down and creating it. And so the eclipses can help us understand when people were viewing them. The horoscopes can help us understand when people were viewing them and try to put a date to these different narratives from history because that's what it is. It's a historical narrative. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's the rundown on the astronomy part, basically. Yeah, fascin- yeah I think it's uh, fascinating and intriguing. Uh, Vance, what do you think? Do you have a question or an audience question? I know you're a stargazer. Well, you do it for a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, different aspects, but yeah, true. Um, I, I was wondering if, um, his, um, what he thought about things like, you know, the legendary civilizations like Atlantis and Lemuria and things that are, well, now Lemuria, I'm not sure where that's mentioned, but Plato mentions Atlantis. Is that too far back? I mean, is Egypt absolutely where it starts because of lack of evidence? Well, no, I think that he does mention Atlantis, and I think he pegs Crimea, the Crimean Peninsula, as Atlantis. And um, it comes not as the very first civilization, but I think like one of the second ones. So he says Atlantis is after Egypt. Yeah. Well, yeah, here, I'll, if you guys want to see this, I can screen share. Um, all right. Uh, Here, you got this five major capitals of Fomenka's new chronology. Everyone can see this. It's a little small. Here, let me That's zoom in. That's there we go. All right. So basically from the earliest times to now, we've got five major spots that Fomenka puts up um, for these capitals where that were like kind of the hub of civilization. Um, these are five main ones. So the very first one was established uh, in the nine to a thousands in this Gregorian chronology. And its location was in the Nile river uh, right here. The second Rome is out of Istanbul. And this is the Crimean peninsula right up here. And that is one of these are, I think, is where Fomenka says the Christ character was born, was in Crimea. Well, that's and, a little far from the Atlantic, right? <laughs> Atlantis isn't anywhere near the Atlantic. Yeah, well, right. Yeah. Or very far from Palestine, too. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, Jerusalem's down here. It's actually not that far from Jerusalem to be born right up there. Uh, yeah, compared right. to, like, saying if he was born in Japan or something, yeah. which some people do believe that. 
And true. so then, and by the way, those 11th and 12th centuries and so forth, what is that with respect to, uh, maybe I missed something before where, but I'm not where sure. we're at today. So our 11th to 12th century is what we would consider that. So this is, Oh, okay. So it's compressed. You probably mentioned that it's compressed timeline from what we usually think of. What we're in the 21st century. So yeah. this, this is another way. So saying in the 11th to 12th centuries is another oh, way of saying 1,000 to 900 years ago. Yeah, it wasn't the Middle Ages. It was the Roman age. A thousand years. Well, this would be extreme antiquity, uh, ancient right. times. Mm -hmm. But on what most people today, if you ask them, hey, what age is the 11th to 12th century? They'd say Middle Ages. But right. new chronology, this is ancient times, is a thousand years ago. So then third one's in Russia, the fourth one goes back down to Istanbul, and then the fifth one's back up in Russia. So this is kind of the path that it takes, and then everything spreads out from there in both directions. Isn't it kind of funny that like he was Russian and like he's drawing everything into Russia? So yeah, that's something that people have brought up before is that um, it's supposedly Russian-centric and that... Well, all he's doing is trying to get people to believe that Russia is the center of civilization. And that could be what it is. But also there is this really interesting map that has been drawn up. And it basically shows that this all these are all the European capitals right here. And you can I've heard the argument that you can draw circles out. But basically what this is is that these all fall in concentric rings out from Vladimir. Um, <laughs> and so it shows somewhat of a interesting, somewhat of a premeditated type deal here. And they're all kind of separate. They're all kind of the same distance across from each other as well. So kind of similar travel times, but it, it comes out from here. I've heard it. I've heard people say that you can draw circles out from literally any of these dots and that will happen. But I've tried that myself and I've never seen anybody who said that actually do it. And this has been done and it's very clear that those are quite concentric. Um, so yeah, these are all the capitals right here, but yeah. So this is interesting. That's basically one of the main reasons why I would think that possibly it's not just, He's trying to be Russian centric because he's in Russia. Uh, I think that that aside from a lot of the other stuff in there, um, it's it's a possibility that it could be Russian and that he just happens to be a Russian dude that discovered it. I don't think in in uh, different. Wait, wait, you said what's you're talking about the city of Vladimir? Is that a Vladimir? City? Yeah, that's Rush. That's a Russian city. That's uh, right where, here. Like what part up north? Just outside of Moscow. Oh, it's outside of Moscow. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, so, yeah, but I, th I try to think about it like in a different sense of if these historical events actually were copied from Russia and then attributed to other places, then the other people are being um, cultural, regionally centric to their own beliefs that they think that these stories are actually about things that happened in Africa or in Greece or in Italy when the story actually comes from a different place in a different part of the world. So determining who's correct is kind of the goal of sea truth. And my whole adventure into this is to try and, you know, who, who's in the wrong here and how can we tell?
How about Cyrillic, though? Because it's kind of a constructed language based on um, Arabic characters and so forth. You know, the backwards letters and so forth. Saint Cyril um, yeah. totally made it up. I don't what know. Do you say about that. I I think the all the language theories are much more recent than the languages themselves. When uh, if you try to find any book on the history of either etymology or linguistics, um, it's not until incredibly recently that anybody decided to actually put some thought to that and try and reconstruct these languages. And so I think it's still up for debate as to how accurate the models that they created are because the people that created them already kind of believed that history was extended thousands of years into the past. And so they've created, um, what is the saying? Whatever the thinker thinks, the prover proves. And so they think that the world is thousands of years old. You can create fantastic narratives about why that's the case, but they could be based on faulty fundamentals, which is history. Um, we don't really know exactly how long these events have been taking place. Well, language there. structure, but I mean, the actual alphabet, um, the Cyrillic alphabet is clearly derived and you know it's it's extended from you know other alphabets either that or i suppose you could reverse logic and say well other people started with the cyrillic alphabet and cut it down to what the you know the the the, the asian the west west asians and europeans have well i'd be i don't know if you have any books or articles on it but i'd be interested in giving a look into whatever you have to support that idea that yeah, that's is. all i know you know that's you know what they say about historically saint cyril um that's why it's yeah, called cyril. a lot of the saint stuff is sketchy um what is it called hagiography the a lot of those stories are so mythical it's difficult to tell you know if saint cyril was actually a real person or if he's based off of other legends it, i'm not an expert on saint cyril but i can't imagine that any writings that we have that mention him are uh, trace, traceable back to his actual time. Yeah. Um, well, that's secondary. It's, it's the, the relationship between the Cyrillic alphabet and the you know Arabic alphabet. I, yeah, I don't know. But I, I, honestly, I could definitely see it being the case that the Cyrillic alphabet existed and they named it, they created the founder when they started getting a more historical consciousness because kind of like how I think it's the Rosicrucians. They have a somewhat mythical founder that was created sometime after the ideology was around. Oh, uh, Christian Rosenkreutz. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people still believe he's a real person. I, again, I don't really have too strong of an opinion. I, I, I enjoy getting the different arguments all together in one place so that um, anybody that's new to the discussion can view all the arguments success or in succession to kind of see what different points people have made and then they can evaluate it on their own. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Miguel, we have some other questions that have piled up. Uh, would sure, you like to sure. address those right now? Sure. Okay. Um, where would Plato be placed in the new chronology? Yasmin wants to know Julius Caesar and the early Christian movement. So I think he places Plato in the 14th century, 15th century um, with Gemestus Pletho. He equates them as being potentially the same person or at least uh, having their writings be similar. So, yeah, like 600 years ago or so, 
which is kind of in the new chronology is kind of when the empire is starting to peak right before the fall. Um, actually it's like, just like right around the time, I think the war happens in the late 14th, early 15th century that kind of, what empire? So he's got this idea that the civilization expanded and there was a kind of a civilizational hub, the, this main area that kind of uh, expanded outward and was the center of culture, kind of like Rome in ancient times, like the center of civilization. Uh, And so in the new chronology, there's still kind of that type of deal. It's this massive, um, I guess, kind of political, but not yet. It's, it's interesting the, the way that it's structured because it, it kind of fragments at one point there's uh, in the 12th centuries when he places this Christ character that is uh, part of the Royal family and they conspire to kill him. And then his followers are, they create a following around him and then his family creates a following around him as well. And so it's really complex. um, All the different, things that he drags into it the the royal family they the, basically all the common people were calling this christ guy a god and so they're like well we're blood related to him so we're gods too and it's uh that's where this massive kind of paganism comes from um all these different the this uh, royal lineage and kind of in the middle ages when they believe that even today people believe the pope is god um some people do and even as recent as i think the 18 1900s it was more so people believe that god was literally the pope or that he was speaking through the pope like i guess people still think that about their pastors so it's an interesting a lot what about of the Bible, though? Faces. I mean, the Bible doesn't say anything like that at all. The New Testament, and I don't think any um, any um, versions of the New Testament. Yeah, I don't, I don't, that. I don't recall anything in the New Testament about popes <laughs> being God or kings being God. But that didn't stop them. from Or Jesus' relatives God. saying that they were God. Well, yeah, but how does Flamenco have you know how how does he he uh, how does well, he reconcile? There's a lot of quite, there's quite a lot of narratives. The Bible's not the only source for information on this Christ character because this is such a fundamental legend that it's fractured th- partly through all of these major um, cultures of the world. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting question um, about his family not claiming to be gods. But there, there are some interesting stories about the early martyrs and how they be they exhibited godlike things like that's true they tried to like kill this guy and their blades were like bending on his skin because he was so they did miracles yeah and even after that they believed that the relics of these saints and martyrs gave them powers and protection um even i think today there's still people that believe that type of stuff so it's sure. interesting how there's so many things that people did in allegedly ancient times, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, that they're still doing today. And it's really a question of when did we start doing these types of things for whatever <laughs> thing we're talking about. Okay. Um, Julius Caesar, um, when, when is, when, where does he fit in? Uh, Ju- Julius Caesar, I think... 
Um, off the top of my head, I am not exactly sure. I can quit Google it though. But yeah, I I do not. I kind of know sort of the overall stuff, um, the basics of it. Not every single little person that's in it. Although yeah, we don't want to we don't want to get in a list of. Uh, yeah, I was just part of the question. Yeah, I think Jesus we can move, we can move on if you want. I'll I'm gonna listen back to this and watch it back and any question that we ask. So from here on out, I'll just pass and not take too much time on questions. Sure. But I'll go back and I'll um, look up the information and I'll respond to them too because that'll allow for more time for me to find out and um, to answer uh, to the best of my ability. But I do I do want to say I don't really know exactly um, every little detail here and there for that's no, understand so it's the entire history of the world right he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. did so yeah i uh, i'm pretty sure just off the top of my head that julius caesar and jesus christ are equated quite a bit and actually there's people today that equate them too um there's a guy on myth vision podcast who is arguing that jesus christ and julius caesar are the same person but he argues that they're oh, from yeah. 2000 years ago um, yeah. is arguing that they're from, so Jesus and, or the Christ character, that figure, that person that gave way to all these fractured stories and versions of his life, he lived in the 12th century. So basically any historical character that you can think of isn't going to predate the 12th century because those are like legendary times where most of the world's legends come from. Yeah, does he? Does he? Uh, I, I want to get back to the, um, uh, the the viewers' questions here, but I can't help myself from asking: uh, Does he ascribe the American Revolution to the same time that we do? You know, in the 18th, yeah, you know? yeah. His revision okay. goes up until about the seventeenth <laughs> century, so like mid sixteen okay. mid sixteen uh, fifties. About uh, is kind of when things start to get a little hazier. Okay. The further back you go from around 1650, the hazier it gets. How about oh, out here in the um, Western Hemisphere, the Mesoamerican civilization? Um, does he address that at all, or is that yeah. out of his purview? He does. No, yeah, it's he addresses all of world history. This is a completely wow. encompassing theory. It doesn't leave anything untouched, really. So he's got it, a complete chronology of that. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I, I try to think about like where he was at when he was writing this. Um, he was already f already fully grown as an adult. He had a professional career coming up out of Soviet Russia. Um, it's interesting. The he's not a historian, so he does get some historical stuff wrong. I, I wonder what type of sources he has because some of the sources, you know, they're in the libraries there. They're not on the internet where I can review them. Um, what, yeah. what was the question that you just asked? Oh yeah. The around the worlds. Mesoamerican. Uh, yeah. Western hemisphere, Mesoamerican chronology. I don't have that on my website yet, but I did translate the maps that he has of that. So I'm, Pulling up my Facebook real quick. Yeah, the Incas and the Aztecs and the Mayans. When did the heads roll? You know that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, the I want to say did the pyramids get built. You know, in the in South America and so forth. That's an interesting question. I want to say the the spread started around the 14th century. I don't know why my Facebook isn't loading. It's just a blank screen. All right, yeah. there we go. So yeah, I want to say around the 14th century for the mayans definitely the th early 1300s for the great pyramids is when those were built 
is uh, they were built around the same time that all the other megalithic buildings were starting to go up, the ones that we see in Baalbek and um, Gobekli Tepe. Those, these are all built around the same time. Don't share my screen yet. I'm pulling up these photos. Too late. <laughs> oh, all right. I, mean, yeah, I, I don't know where the photos are at. Oh, here they are. All right. Is my screen being shared? Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So here is the map that he has. So colonization of Siberia, China, and India is in the 12th to 16th century is when that took place. So really the 12th century is when everything started to spread out. Colonization of America is in the 15th to 16th century. So that's uh, Columbus coming to colonize uh, into America is or around a little bit before that time. I thought there was another map that shows it. No, I, th I think that is the one. So yeah, into America is uh, pre pre 16th century, post 11th century. So really, basically everything spread out from uh, these kind of this line right here. Uh, from the 12th century and from there, everything else fits into that frame. So, oops. Yeah, so when basically when you have this anchoring point traditionally around uh, 4000 BC as the dawn of civilization, you crush everything into that time period. If you were to move that back to 10,000 BC is the dawn of civilization, then you crush all the information, the, the 10,000 year period. But when you put the dawn at uh, 800, 900 AD, then you have to crush all the info into that period, which is basically the you, whatever the starting point is, is how you have to make the data fit into it. And the, the starting point seems to be established by uh, Fomenko with his research. So if you want to refute it, you'd have to refute the textual analysis and the astronomical stuff. Yeah, the astronomical stuff is interesting. How did he reconcile with whatever historical records that the actual civilizations had? Like uh, Alexander Freeman wanted to know about the um, thousands of years of Egyptian history. Um, that were you know, that were recorded. Maybe there weren't right. enough time. Basically, everybody, basically everyone today that's alive. Um, I don't know if you want to stop screen sharing. I don't. I don't have anything oh, yeah. for this show right now. Yeah, but yeah. Um, back to ourselves. There we go. Basically, everybody's views on ancient history today are in, largely governed by the activities of the 19th to 20th century Egyptologists. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I got you to take away the. Um, I got you to take away the screen share. Can you can you put that back up, please? Sure, no problem. I, I'm no sorry problem. about that. Here, no I've, I've got go. I've got an example here to show you exactly what I'm talking about or what I'm about to talk about. But the yeah, it basically was established Champollion and the the French got in there in 17 late 1700s, and uh, Egyptological studies have occurred since then and are. I would I would guess that if whatever you're talking about is from a source that is uh, post dating their activity there, unless you 
ascribed to one of the ancient sources that says they were around for 400,000 years or something. But this is a, this is a study that I did myself. Uh, I went, I found that there were conflicting reports as to when these different periods of Egyptian history had started. And so I went and created an article to compare all these different reports. So this whole article is just numbers, tons of numbers from 30 different websites that I uh, went through that provided different um, timelines for Egyptian history. And so here I've got the summary of the results of my study into this. The first study that I did was on March 6, 2019, and then I added a second uh, data set on May 28, 2020. And I included this information because some of the links that I used from March 6th are now broken, so you can't go and fact check me, but these ones I would hope are still up. So I encourage people to fact check me. Like I include all my references here at the bottom. So here's the 30 different websites that I used. Uh, you can check them out if you want to, but these are the results that I got. So pre-dynastic period, that's the earliest one prior to minis. There's uh, the longest length that it could have happened is 5,300 years and the shortest total length is 400 years. So depending on which source you go to today, uh, you'll get quite different results. This one is incredibly sketchy. So like when talk, basically there's, I guess the question was more about the sources from Egyptian history. There, we don't have sources from ancient Egyptian history that are used for creating these things. These are, this was all created by, uh, oh, what's his name? Manetho. And the stuff that we have from Manetho, so, so Manetho was a Greek Egyptian who was reporting on this. He's the one that uh, established the different dyna dynasties. So some of these tell you which dynasty is in them. So some of the, like for the early dynastic period, it says dynasty zero through two is the ones. This one says one through two. And so even the different dynasties attributed to these different periods of history differ depending on which source you're looking at. So Egyptian history is really sketchy. Um, some say it's one to three. And Manetho is the one that came up with these dynasties. I think we've added a couple since then. He only went up to a certain number. But his writings, he's supposedly a Greek-Egyptian writing in the 4th century BC. I'm not an expert on Manetho. I'm just doing this off memory. But uh, a couple hundred years back on the BC timeline. But all of his writings are only fragments from Christian authors. And the uh, king's list of his, I think was not even really known until the Renaissance. I think it was Joseph Scaliger, the guy that's called the father of modern chronology. He's the one that um, found the King's List and brought it back into light. I could be wrong about that, but he's he was considered one of the most learned men of Europe and he hadn't heard about it until he discovered it himself is I think what the story is. And so it couldn't have been too popular. And that was in the 15, uh, late 1500s, early 1600s that he was ac active in the historical realm. So ancient Egyptian history, um, I know that was a, a quite a long explanation for just addressing the records stuff, but it's not, it's not the basis for world history. The, what we use as the basis for at least Western history is the Greco-Roman uh, chronology. And so when we can't find a strong link to the Greco-Roman timeline, it's uh, 
even the traditional historians, I think, would typically uh, agree that it's you're upon sketchy footing if you can't find some sort of link to the Romans or the Greeks. And there you have it, my beloved Jew Seekers. The first part of our AB Live with Stephen Sorensen on the new chronology. In our second part, we'll deal with archaeology and other sciences, as well as the pitiful state of historical studies today and parallel alternative theories like the Tartary Empire and the Mud Flood Conspiracy. As always, make up your own damn mind, for you are the final authority, have always been. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. So please become a member of Patreon for the full chronological interview. And to support this Red Bill Cafeteria, go to the God Above God Dad Cam for means to assist and get the infernal rewards, or just message my ass. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever. Might be the only way to counteract the nutsack grip Yaldivaldius place on the collective consciousness of humanity. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self. Hello and goodbye as always. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.